mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 45th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. We're going to creep you out. So if you get creeped out easily, this may not be the show for you. Uh, it's a show for everyone. <laughs> hey, if Denise can do it, anybody can. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Just kidding. That's more like, <laughs> We're going to talk about the history and haunting of dolls on this show. Dolls can be creepy even when they're not haunted. So this is going to be a really good show. Well, and dolls hold kind of a special place for us because your mom was a big fan of dolls. Very much so. She was a collector. I think, what did she have? Maybe over 300? At least. Your mom's house was just full of them. And now we have some of them here at our house. Yes, we do. But they're cute little ones. They're uh, Marie Osmond's princess dolls. Yeah, the Disney, Disney collection. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Disney. <laughs> Disney. Hope you guys caught the last <laughs> podcast that we did on Haunted Disneyland. And Denise, I like to talk about synchronicity when we do our shows. Like we'll do something on a show and then I'll hear about it on another podcast or something where they're doing the same kind of topic or I'll have an article that pops up like when we did the suicide forest in Japan. The next day there was a major article out about suicide forest so i was like oh that's weird we had done haunted disneyland on the last show which was a few days ago and all of a sudden it started popping up all over facebook that there's this movie coming out walt before mickey so it's the early years of walt disney and i went wow that goes hand in hand with our show very much so also this week i recorded a podcast i co-hosted with dan foytick of the ninth story podcast should be up and ready in a couple of weeks i'll let everybody know when it is available and we'll Posted on Facebook and all of our social media and things of that nature. And why don't you share with them your creepy experience during that interview? Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening towards the end of it. Because what we did on the show is we talked about the dark history behind nursery rhymes. It's amazing how, you know, when you when you recite nursery rhymes, you go, okay, these, number one, don't make a lot of sense. And number two, ring around the rosies, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. It's like, didn't we stop to think, what in the world are we talking about there? But anyways, we got towards the end of the show. As is customary when you're on other people's podcasts, they ask you a little bit about your own podcast. And I, w I was discussing that based on when it was going to be up, I wasn't quite sure. But I said, well, we'll probably be on a road trip by the time the show is up. But I said before that, we, we do a show that Victoria probably will like. I said, I, I'm sure Victoria is a fan of dolls. And we're going to talk about the history and haunting of dolls. And with the mention of Victoria's name, I'm listening through my headphones and I hear this tinkling noise like a music box. And so I'm thinking to myself... First of all, I didn't think I heard it. And then I thought, well, you know, Dan's got sound effects over on his stuff because he's great with production everything. We're like low tech. He's high tech. And then all of a sudden he goes, did you hear that? And I was like, uh, sounded like a music box kind of. And he's like, yeah. He goes, that wasn't me. And I'm like, well, it wasn't me. All I've got on my end are dogs barking and rattling their collars and stuff. Like I told both of you, it was sweet, creepy Victoria. I Maybe she was saying that she was excited about hearing about the dolls, because then a few minutes later, 
we heard the tinkling again. <laughs> we both went, was that it again? <laughs> so I'm looking forward to listening back to it. I'm like, well, maybe I told Denise, well, maybe it was just some feedback or something in the line. Maybe we were just hearing things because you, you never want to initially believe anything, especially if you're an open-minded skeptic. You explain everything away right away. So it'll be interesting to see if it really happened. Now, if we have music box tinkling on this show, I will pee my pants because we don't have any sound effects hooked into this thing. You know, I'm definitely going to have to invest in Depends because every other day, every other show, Diane's like, if this happens, I'm going to pee my pants. <laughs> I guess she can't wait to get into her geriatric age. <laughs> Waiting for those high fashion underwear, you know. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, we are getting ready to go on a road trip. We'll have one more podcast up after this one. It's been suggested to us by Matt over at the Spooktacular crew that we do the Norwich State Hospital. And this sounds like a creepy, creepy place. And Matt lives within minutes of it. So um, maybe we'll spook him enough that he will have to drive a different way or something. I don't know if he drives past it or... I don't know, but hospitals and asylums are always... What I should do is twist his arm and make him go in there and give us a live report. (laughs) (laughs) At night. Of course, he may twist your arm back and say, well, then you need to go into Waverly Man or Waverly Asylum. Sanatorium. Sanatorium, yeah. And apparently people really like sanatoriums because I didn't think Tranquil Sanatorium would be a real popular show and it's one of the most popular shows we've done. So I think that sanatorium on the back end of something is people like it. So we will be bringing you more of that for sure. When we see shows that are up, up, up there, we're like, okay, well, it looks like people want more of that. We do want to thank you guys for sharing the show. That's how it gets out there. We'd love to have your reviews over at iTunes or Stitcher. And you can check out our website at historygoesbump.com. It's got the archives over there. The last 10 shows are up on the homepage. It's got where you can find us on social media, where you can listen to the show, We'll have our events posted up there, so if you'd like to join us while we're on the road trip, you'll know exactly where we are. And if you would like to donate to the show, we have everything over there for you to be able to do that as well, if you'd like to support the show in more ways than just listening and sharing it. And Denise, if they'd like to send us some feedback, suggestions for other shows, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. I feel like I should be holding a doll right now. Well, that moment of silence is brought to you by Denise looking at me like I'm nuts. (laughs) We actually don't have a whole lot of dolls in the house. We have your mom's. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a Mickey Mouse dressed up like a pirate behind me. Yes, that would be a plush. And I do have my preemie Cabbage Patch baby up in the closet there. This is true. We also have Duffy and Shelly Mae, the Disney bears. That was weird. That felt like something just poked me on the top of my head. That's why I just grabbed that. Well, I didn't see anything. Okay, great. This podcast is going to be fabulous. Dan's already getting poked. I that was really weird. I thought that my my headphones were maybe slipping or coming off, but I mean it was like something pushed me right there. Hmm. Well, uh, why don't we get this thing started before we get creeped out before we can do it? I don't want to. <laughs> like to support the show please visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com welcome to this moment 
Residents of St. Louis, Saskatchewan have long reported sightings of a peculiar thing at an old railway crossing outside of their village. When people are out near the railroad tracks at night, they can see a bright light off in the distance, which resembles the light on an old railroad engine. The light gets closer and closer to the witnesses. As it gets closer, people claim that they can see a little red light near the bigger regular light. Before the light gets to the witnesses, it disappears. Local legend tells of a conductor who was accidentally decapitated by a train at this stretch of the railway. People believe the large light is the ghost train and that the red light is from the deceased conductor's lantern. Adding to the mystery is the fact that no train has run on this line for 30 years and the tracks are actually no longer there either. And although a couple of high school students debunked the ghost train while conducting a science fair experiment, claiming that the light was an optical illusion caused by car headlights, it should be pointed out that witnesses have reported seeing the ghost train even before cars were commonplace in the area. A St. Louis ghost train certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. This day in history. On this day, May 9th in 1754, the political cartoon known as Join or Die premieres. Founding father Benjamin Franklin was the owner of the Pennsylvania Gazette, which published the cartoon for the first time. This publication was not just the first time Join or Die ran, it was also the first political cartoon printed in America. Benjamin Franklin is the man who drew the cartoon. Most Americans are familiar with the design. The cartoon features a snake cut into eight pieces. The eight pieces represented the different colonies, with New England colonies being combined together. Delaware and Georgia were omitted completely. The words join or die were printed at the bottom. The cartoon represented Franklin's sentiments on colonial unity. Originally, the cartoon was meant to drive support for America to join Great Britain in the French and Indian War. Later, the cartoon became a symbol for freedom for the colonists during the American Revolution. The words were changed to unite or die during that time. You're listening to History Goes Bump. Dolls are one of the oldest and original toys. Dolls have been used for more than just play, though. Sometimes they are used in religious rites, for magic, or education. The main characteristic of dolls is the fact that they are made to resemble human beings. Could some dolls carry more than just a resemblance to humans? Could some of them contain a soul or spirit? Join us as we explore a brief history of dolls and then share the tales of many dolls that seem to do more than just sit idly and stare blankly into space. Which can be kind of creepy all on its own. Why don't they ever say anything? (laughs) (laughs) The earliest dolls date back to 2000 BC and have been found in Egypt. But it is believed that dolls have been around since the dawn of human existence. Paddle dolls are these types of early dolls found in Egypt, and they were made from wood. Other early dolls were constructed from a variety of materials, including wood, clay, bone, ivory, leather, rags, soapstone, and wax. Dolls with articulated limbs have been found as early as 200 B.C. Many of these early dolls could be dressed and undressed and wore the fashions of the day. A girl would carry her doll throughout her young life in Roman and Greek society, and then when she decided to marry, she would dedicate her doll to a goddess. 
Various cultures have had their own distinct dolls. Japan has dogu figurines, Hanawa, Hina, Kokeshi, and Daruma dolls. The Hina dolls are constructed from straw and wood and are elaborately painted, while the dogu and Hanawa are made from clay and seem to be more decorative. Kokisha dolls are made from wood. Daruma dolls are hollow and are considered good luck charms. The Ashanti people had Akuba dolls, which were used in fertility ceremonies. Effigies, which are dolls meant to resemble actual people, have been used for centuries in various locations from African countries to European countries to indigenous populations. The most well-known is a voodoo doll, of course. The Hopi Indians called their dolls Kachina dolls, and they were believed to harbor spirits of the gods and were fashioned to resemble the gods. Early North American dolls were apple dolls, which used dried apples for heads. Cornhusk dolls were popular with Native Americans. Russia has the Matryoshka dolls, which are the nesting dolls we know so well. Clay dolls were made in Germany starting in the 13th century, and by the 15th century, wood dolls had become more popular. It was in the 15th century that doll making became more popular in most European countries. Wood was dominant in doll making until the 19th century. It was after the Civil War that doll making became an industry in the United States. Other materials were soon introduced and combined with wood. Many of these dolls were constructed from paper mache with leather bodies and wooden legs. The ingredients used to make paper mache was closely guarded by manufacturers. Weird ingredients like eggshells and ash were sometimes used. English doll makers Periotti, Montanari, and Meech began using wax in the production of dolls. These were the most lifelike dolls, and glass was fashioned for eyes. Hair was individually applied to each doll, and they were dressed in the finest fashions. Over time, these dolls' heads would become cracked from expansion and contraction of the wax. It was at this same time that China dolls began to be made. Only the heads were made from China, and they were attached to bodies stuffed with straw or cotton. The finest dolls of the 1800s came out of France. Fine fashion dolls were produced by makers like Francois Gaultier, Jumière, Baroy, Hurette, Romer, and Bru. Bodies were fashioned from paper mache, and ball joints were added for better articulation. The French were the first to make dolls that resembled babies and children. Up until this point, dolls were made to look like adults. Germany eclipsed the French doll makers by 1890 because they started cheap mass production. Germans made the heads from bisque and carved in the eyes. For those who do not know, both china and bisque refers to the use of porcelain as a material. Porcelain is made by firing different types of clay at temperatures above 2,000 degrees. During the 1800s, rag dolls gained in popularity as well, especially in America. Mothers could make these dolls for their girls. Did you ever have any rag dolls? No, but I had a doll that had like plastic um, head, arms, and legs, and the body was, was cotton and stuffed, and so it was kind of more floppy, a little bit like a rag doll. Oh, no, because rag dolls are just made from rags, right? Yeah, pretty much they don't have like a normal head or anything. That's right. I don't know if I had any rag dolls. Remember I had a clown doll. Oh, uh, of course. And That's I loved, a whole other podcast. <laughs> I loved that thing, and my sister ripped the leg off of it. And I just remember being devastated. My maybe, sister was so mean. No, maybe that's when you wrote in your coloring book. <laughs> yeah, that she was, what, a, a poopy head or something? Yeah. Yeah, she she used to make me. I mean, she'd bite me. She's ripping the legs off my dolls. Love I mean, you, Christy. <laughs> she deserves to be spooked. I think one of the first dolls I had, too, was it was hard plastic, and it had a hole at the mouth and a hole at the other end, and you could give it a bottle, and you can imagine what happened. Yay, so you get to change <laughs> diapers right away. 
Yeah. Hey, you know what just flashed through my brain? Did you ever have those bottles that looked like they had milk in them, and when when you tip mm-hmm. them upside down, the milk would disappear? Yeah, I had a milk and an orange juice. In fact, I just I saw those at Publix the other day, which is our grocery store. How did those things ever work? Did Did you ever figure out how those worked? I mean, where the did the liquid go? The milk. Oh, well, you must have really had some haunted dolls if they were really drinking that liquid. Mine were awesome. I always wondered, how does that work? Where did the liquid go? Because it couldn't all fit up in the little cap thing, could it? (laughs) I want answers. The interesting thing about the French dolls, a lot of them were called BBs, which are B-E-B-E. And that's, or maybe it's Bebe. You know what? I bet that's it. That sounds more French. Yeah. Bebe. They were Bebe dolls. (laughs) <laughs> and I had no idea that it wasn't until they started making their baby dolls that that was the first time there was actually baby dolls. Because I don't think I ever had any adult-like dolls. I mean, I guess Barbie would be an adult doll. Yeah, so yeah, Barbie. But a lot of the older dolls, if you look in, well, maybe you didn't get to go through doll hospitals, but I got to go there no. on a regular basis with my mom. But um, a lot of the older dolls, they are like Victorian women dressed to the nines and things like that. Oh, fascinating. That's something I learned doing the research for this show. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they didn't have baby dolls before. I didn't realize there wasn't both, but I do know when I've seen the older dolls with like their faces will be a little bit like the spider like cracks everywhere just from the age of the material that was used. But whenever you see those, they do tend to be be grown-ups and not babies. It was in New Jersey where celluloid was first used in doll making. This started after the Civil War and continued until 1950. The flammability of celluloid was its downfall. Yeah, I guess you don't want the little kids to catch on fire when they're holding the doll. No. After World War II, plastics came into the mix. These dolls were very durable, so you could hit your sister upside the head with it if she tried to rip the leg off. Jeez, this is becoming a like, <laughs> I'm just saying, revenge show. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I better be nice. We'll soon be staying at her place. Uh, that's what I'm saying. She might short sheet my mattress in the uh, camper. Plastic was we'll sent to the haunted barn. <laughs> Plastic soon was put aside for vinyl in the 1950s. Not only was it durable, but hair could be rooted into the head. Rubber and foam rubber were also used, and most modern day dolls are made using these types of materials. Dolls are as popular as ever, and some become all the rage, like Barbie the Cabbage Patch dolls of the 1980s, and today's Bratz and American Girl dolls. Even boys get involved with dolls in the form of action figures. Absolutely. G.I. Joe, the Avengers. Yeah, I think people don't realize that action figures are dolls too. They're just smaller in stature. Mm -hmm. But And, you know, I remember there was a time, they don't really do it anymore, but... um, There was My Little Buddy. Well, there was My Little Buddy, but I'm also thinking of the ones like um, Stretch Armstrong... Oh, yeah. And um, one of my friends, her brother had one that was called JJ, and it was a black guy, and he was like a superhero. Did you ever see the goo that was inside Stretch Armstrong? No, my sister didn't pull his legs off. Oh, because he stretched. (laughs) Of course, we're kind of dating ourselves with those those comments, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, because I don't know that they have any... Because the G.I. Joe dolls, the original ones, were actual dolls. They weren't the little itty-bitty action figures that you get nowadays. Yeah, they're about the size of Barbies, right? You mean those G.I. Joes? Or? Yes, yeah. yes, they were about the same. Some of them were a little bit yeah, taller than Barbie, too. Bigger, yeah, yeah. And I suppose there were boys that had Ken dolls. And I mean, I don't have a problem if boys want to play with dolls, too. That's, you know, I don't have a gender issue there. So that basically is a brief history of dolls, kind of where they got their start and where they've come up to. We didn't want to break it down into each individual kind of dolls when they came on the scene, because that would be for a whole different podcast. <laughs> And I'm not as into dolls in that way. You know, I was wondering if we should include the adult dolls. (laughs) Diane. 
Mail order. Here comes my honey. I've got a new girlfriend. Would you like to meet her? Oh, boy. So That's anyway. all she says is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving right along. Um, <laughs> great, I get to follow that. One of the scariest movies about a doll that not only looks human, but is able to talk and move about is Chucky. While we can sit back and watch such movies and think to ourselves that it's only Hollywood, is it possible that a doll could actually move about? Could a doll be almost real? Could spirits be just as comfortable in a doll's body as they would be in a human body? When we tell you about the various haunted dolls that have been reported throughout the years, you just might find the movie Chucky all too real. Speaking of my little buddy, I think that's what he was patterned after. I think so, too. What was he called in that movie? I can't remember. Before Chucky or? Yeah, because he says his name is Chucky, but there's a his name was something like My Little Buddy, and I can't remember what it is. I'm sure our listeners are screaming it right now at me. Yeah, I'm not too sure I even saw that movie because just the previews creeped me out. Oh, I've seen them all painfully. Of course you have. <laughs> the first one was creepy. The rest of them got a little bit stupid. One of the creepiest places on the planet is the Island of the Dolls. The location is 17 miles outside of Mexico City, Mexico, and Mexicans call it Isla de las Munecas. This area is separated by canals, and it is in one of these canals that a young girl supposedly drowned. A man named Don Julian Santana Barrera had come to live in the canals and he had discovered the body. He found a doll near the body, so he nailed it to a tree. Don Julian was a hermit, but when he would venture out, he would collect discarded dolls. He began to decorate his island area with the dolls and doll parts. This was not because he really liked dolls. He apparently was being haunted by the spirit of the young girl who had drowned and he thought placing the dolls around the island would appease her restless spirit. The local town council decided to clean up the canal area in the 1990s and they were surprised to find the doll sanctuary or perhaps really creeped out. I would be really creeped out. <laughs> have you seen pictures of this place? I have not. It is very creepy. <laughs> just imagine dolls hanging from all the trees like headless or just heads and they're old and weather beaten and missing eyes. And it's it is quite creepy. They left the dolls and Don Julian became a local celebrity. People started visiting the Island of the Dolls and bringing the man dolls to add to the collection. In 2001, Don Julian eventually met the same fate as the girl when he was found drowned in the canal. Wow. Creepy, creepy. Mohawk Valley ghost hunter sold a doll named Chandra on eBay several years ago. The paranormal investigators had originally bought the doll at a ghost convention in Virginia. Chandra had been donated to a haunted touring museum in 1991. The woman who had owned the doll claimed that she would wake in the middle of the night to sounds of a woman screaming from the basement. When the woman would investigate, she would find the window next to the doll opened. After arriving at the museum, people started having unusual experiences. Objects like office supplies would go missing. Disembodied footsteps would be heard. Lunches would go missing and be found in drawers. A weird substance has been found on the doll and in places where she has been set. After testing, the substance was found to be mostly of wood composition. Visitors to the museum claimed that the doll moves. The ghost hunters claimed that things had been weird for them, too. They always found the doll on the floor, even though she was not somewhere where she could fall onto the floor. Once, a two-year-old came out of the area where the doll was kept carrying Chandra. The doll was not in reach of a two-year-old. 
On another occasion, everyone heard a crash and they found the doll on the floor. A cold blast of air went by them as they entered. Someone snatched the doll up in the auction and who knows what kinds of experiences they've had. I thought that was really weird that they would find something of a wood composition. So I don't know what this doll is made out of. Is she made out of wood in part of her? And so it's like something boring into it, boring out of it, or just weird. I'm like, what is the wood? And they keep it in an envelope with the doll. It's just weird. Yeah. A haunted doll named Christina was sold on eBay a few years ago, and the owner sent the buyer the following letter with the doll. Dear Shauna, Christina was originally purchased by myself at an antique store in Jefferson, Texas, and was given to my six-year-old daughter, who named her the lovely name Christina. I was never certain why, but I believed it was after my deceased grandmother, who she never knew. I do not know why I bought such a fine antiqued porcelain doll for such a young child. Then again... But I knew instinctively I was to do this, and in my life, the doll would stay. The doll was originally made in the late 1800s, and she was not cheap. An original doll from England, as I was told, since her condition was so perfect at the time, cost me $500. The store I bought her in was called The Red Barn, and it's still there today. An old man waited on me, and I will never forget. He was very nice as he shuffled around, pointing at the doll with his nice silver-headed cane. He told me to notice that this doll was looking at me and wanted to go home with me. I said, oh, really? Sounds like a good salesman. I told him she was nice, but I had a small child that would destroy her. He then looked me in the eye and said, Lady, that doll is telling me it wants to live with you and will love your daughter until the day she dies and she will be no trouble at all. I was taken back because the man was talking to me as if he could hear the doll telling him just what to say. So I bought her and did not quibble about the price because I knew the doll was worth much more. Okay, I'm sorry. But if that was going on with me, I'd be like, okay, thank you. Um, and I think I'd be getting away from the old man with the cane and the doll and getting my heck out of that store. Like I said, I'm either thinking, okay, this is a pushy salesman or he's hearing dolls talk to him. Get me the hell out of here. Exactly. And if he's really hearing the doll talking to him, really get me the hell out of here. <laughs> my daughter, Jasmine Elizabeth Croker, was only six years old at the time. Everyone told me, why would I give my child such an expensive present? I said, it's not the price. It's the fact of the happy memories it will give me and her. And of course, Jasmine Elizabeth Croker fell in love with her at first sight. Christina lived with Jasmine day and night. I do mean lived. She had to sit on the toilet at bath time. She even went to preschool and a few years of kindergarten. Jasmine informed me one day that Christina told her that she was bored and would rather stay home. Okay, so now the doll's talking to the kid. Mm -hmm. When Christina's right leg was broken accidentally by her best friend, Connie Kay, Jasmine cried real tears all day for the terrible tragedy. It was just so devastating. And she flung herself about as I bandaged the nub that was left. I was told by my daughter, or should I say informed, that there had to be a professional funeral for the shattered leg. And Connie had to attend no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was stunned, but I did what Jasmine asked. My husband built a little coffin out of an old cigar box that he cut to scale like a small pinch-toed coffin. Jasmine told us it was just like the one Christina envisioned. So we set to have the funeral as I was told to put the shattered pieces in the freezer. Jasmine called all her friends and all of our family and told them to come dress for the funeral, which was to be held the next day. She said it had to be buried right away because the next day was Sunday and Christina not only was upset because she had one foot in the grave, but because if it was buried on a Sunday, the leg would go straight to hell. So I guess you shouldn't have a funeral on a Sunday. <laughs> no, not according to little Jasmine. Though Christina told Jasmine after that to never speak to her again, Jasmine never did. And I'm assuming she's talking about the friend who broke the leg. Yeah, Connie. Jasmine carried her around as an invalid for many months that turned into a year or more. I constantly had to replace her bandage daily, as Jasmine told me Christina instructed her to tell me. 
I also had to check it out for infection and whatever other malady Christina told her for me to check. She also told me that Christina would wake her in the night complaining of phantom pains where her missing leg once was. At this point, I was beginning to think... Now, it took her till this point to think things... (laughs) At this point, I was beginning to think my kid just had a great imagination. Because in the early 1980s, no one ever thought about a child's doll being really haunted. But think about it. Where would this little girl, Jasmine, know about phantom pains? Like, I didn't hear about those until I was studying, like, anatomy and physiology. So how would she know about phantom pains, about infection, about the different diseases that could set in? Was she just, like, a medical prodigy? Yeah. Like, that's creepy right there, that she would know things that are a bit beyond her years. It gets it gets weirder. Okay. Jasmine once woke me up screaming that the pain in Christina's leg felt like fire ants were eating it. So in the middle of the night, I went to the grave of the leg to see that it was now a mound of fire ants. So the doll's feeling like fire ants are eating her leg, and they literally were the other one. I personally believe the doll is haunted from that point on. Then I had to find a way to take the doll away. So I came up with a plan and have kept her locked away since. I told my daughter that Christina had decided she wanted her mother and went to visit her friends and family back in England. Then I locked her away in an old trunk in my attic where she's been since my daughter was seven. Her right leg is broken and buried in an unmarked grave in someone's backyard in Henderson, Texas. I've since moved to El Paso. I hope she does not haunt you too much, and she has a new wonderful time with you to study. Sincerely, Mrs. D. Croker. I think I'd be like, what's the return policy on this doll? (laughs) I'm sending her back. Apparently, they sell a lot of haunted stuff on eBay, including these dolls, so... Okay, so if any of our listeners want to buy a haunted doll, I guess you go to eBay. (laughs) Marie Ford, who lives in Washington, claims that she owns a haunted doll named Alice. Her grandmother had named the doll after her best friend who had died. The grandmother claimed that Alice's spirit resided in the doll, and perhaps it does. Marie says that the doll's eyes follow you wherever you go in the room. The doll's expression changes and that she whispers in a ghostly voice when you press your ear to her porcelain lips. Marie claims to have caught EVPs from the doll saying, I want to be left alone to suffer. Hmm. We need to have a little doll voice that says that. I want to be left alone to suffer. <laughs> Maybe Victoria could do that one. <laughs> from Japan comes the haunted doll of Hokkaido. In 1918, a 17-year-old Japanese man bought a present for his sister while he was at a marine exhibition on the Japanese island of Hokkaido. It was a doll named Okiku. The doll was 16 inches tall and wore a kimono. The face was white porcelain with black eyes and the hair was black and hung to shoulder length. Remember that last detail. The doll's name was actually the little sister's name as well. She loved the doll and took it everywhere with her. Unfortunately, the little sister got the flu a year later and she died. The doll was placed on an altar in remembrance of the child. And then the doll's perfectly cropped hair began to grow. It grew irregularly. The growing stopped when it reached knee length. The family cut the hair and it grew again until it hit knee length. They decided that the little girl's spirit must be inside the doll. When the family moved, they took the doll to the Menenji Temple, where it resides to this day. And yes, the priests have cut the doll's hair, and it did grow again. Yikes. Then there is the Exorcist doll. This doll has no name, but it is believed that it was made in 1740. Reverend Thomas Blythe somehow became owner of the doll, and he started using it during exorcisms he would conduct on houses. The doll is thought to have been a part of at least 68 exorcisms. It was used as a distraction, something for the evil spirit to play with, but did it perhaps become a place for the spirit to inhabit? The reverend claimed that he sometimes felt the doll was looking at him. A photographer once snapped a picture of the doll and then took another picture several minutes later. 
In the second picture, the doll appears to be smiling. People who saw the plates claimed that the two images showed different expressions. In 1888, the doll was given to Cedric Argyle of London. The doll then made its way to the dime store where it became an attraction and people would take pictures of the doll so they could capture changing expressions. The doll then ended up in the Museum of Curios in Cornwall until 2007. The doll is now privately owned. A woman found this next doll at a resort here in Clearwater, Florida, Denise, the home of the strange, you know. Absolutely. She unfortunately did not share the name of the establishment. It dates back to the late 1800s and is supposed to be haunted according to a security guard she asked. She and her husband had heard a woman moaning while they toured the hotel after midnight. And when they investigated, they found the doll sitting next to the stairs. The woman took the doll home as a souvenir. After getting home, the woman was having trouble sleeping, so she was sitting on the computer around 3 a.m. The doorbell rang and she jumped. She got her husband and when they both checked, they found no one at the door. The following day, a tremendous crash came from a room. When the couple investigated, they found nothing amiss. The woman decided to auction the doll off on eBay. <laughs> eBay's either going to hate us or love us. They're going to be like, yay, we're getting lots of people hitting us, or everybody's running because all of our dolls are haunted. Of course, you also have to trust that when people are telling you something is you know, haunted, that it's you know, they're not pulling your leg. Yeah. If you're a doll, they might pull your leg right off, like my sister did. <laughs> Jeez. My clown doll. We don't carry a grudge. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> a doll named Joliet has haunted a family for several generations. A woman named Anna claims that her great-grandmother was given the doll by a vengeful friend who had cursed the doll. When the great-grandmother gave birth to a boy, the child died three days later. Each generation of girls would give birth to a boy and a girl, but the boys always died on day three. The doll continued to be handed down through the generations. People claimed to hear inhuman screams coming from the doll and baby cries. Could this be the cries of the deceased baby boys? If I thought a doll was killing the babies, I don't think I would keep passing it down from generation to generation. That's what I was wondering when I researched this. I'm like, why have you not burned that thing? Exactly. <laughs> Here, here's your gift from your grandmother. Keep it close to you. Next, we have a favorite of many, many people. Could Elmo be haunted? For the Bowman family, he certainly was haunted. The Bowmans bought their two-year-old toddler, James, an Elmo Knows Your Name doll. This was a talking doll that could repeat a child's name. That is fun and not creepy. But when the doll adds the word kill in front of the child's name, then it gets creepy. This all started after the family changed Elmo's batteries for the first time. Elmo started saying, kill James, so often that the mother took the doll away Fisher-Price issued the family a voucher. No one knows if they bought another Elmo doll. We discussed Robert the Doll in an earlier podcast, and that is actually podcast number eight, the mysterious podcast that we did on Mystery Manor in the Winchester Mystery Home. And just to give people a little brief overview, Robert Eugene Otto was given a doll in 1906 from a servant of his family when he was a child, and apparently the servant was a practicer of black magic and voodoo and had cursed the doll. And the doll has taken on a life of its own. Right now, Robert the Doll resides in the Fort East Mortello Museum in Key West. People claim to see the doll's expression change and the doll seems to hate to have its picture taken. When people snap pictures without asking him for permission, people claim to feel cursed and the display area around Robert is covered with notes of apology. 
as people attempt to erase the curse. And people, like neighbors, claim that they would see the doll looking out the window, that they would hear him running around in the house and stuff. And he is one of the creepiest dolls I have ever seen. If somebody gave my child that doll, I don't think I'd let them keep it. But we have another famous haunted doll that a lot of people have probably heard about named Annabelle. Some people may know this doll from a recent horror movie. The doll in the movie is far different than the real Annabelle, which is a Raggedy Ann doll. So for those of you who either saw the movie or saw a bunch of the promos, which were enough to tell me I didn't want to see that movie, uh, the doll that was in that was looked like a regular well, not like a regular doll because it was really creepy, but it looked like a, you know, it wasn't a Raggedy Ann doll. And one of the girls, I was reading her article on this and she said, oh, it was this large, you know, Raggedy Ann doll. I'd never seen one so big. I actually had one that was probably even bigger than that, that my mom had made. It was almost, I'd say as a child, it was almost the same size. As you? Oh, yeah. Wow. And it, it could do the same things like this one's very, you know, cloth. So it could bend at the knees and. Okay. You're like, it could do the same things. I'm like, that thing is not in our house, right? <laughs> no, no, I don't have it anymore. I okay. don't know where it is. It's probably in a box in my folks' attic. Famous paranormal investigators who a lot of our listeners have probably heard of. Ed and Lorraine Warren are the people who discovered Annabelle and took possession of her. And they have her locked up in a case, which they have in the museum that they keep. Or I shouldn't say they, because Ed is no longer alive, but Lorraine still has their occult museum and the doll is still there. A mother originally bought the doll at an antique shop for her daughter, Donna. Donna had been away at college and the mother thought she would appreciate it. Donna loved it and put the doll on her bed. Donna and her roommate began to notice that the doll seemed to change positions. At first, the changes were subtle, but over time, there was no mistaking that the doll was moving on its own. Then the doll started moving into other rooms. So, you know, you can kind of explain, well, maybe its hand fell off its lap or it fell over just because. But when it appears in another room, (laughs) either your roommate's playing tricks on you or something weird is going on. Creepy messages would be found on scraps of parchment paper that appeared to be scribbled by a child. No parchment paper was kept in the apartment. And I'm imagining nobody keeps parchment paper anymore. (laughs) I wouldn't think so. The messages asked for help. It's like, help me. On another occasion, Donna and her roommate found the doll kneeling on a chair at the table. When they tried to make the doll kneel themselves, it would fall over. (laughs) (laughs) One day, Donna came home and got a really eerie feeling from the doll. When she inspected it, she found blood on the doll. It was on the back of its hands and a few drops on its chest. Where the hell did that come from? Donna asked a medium for help, which I would advise is a horrible idea. (laughs) (laughs) Let's open some more portals with a haunted doll. (laughs) And the medium claimed a spirit resided in the doll named Annabelle Higgins, which is where she got her name then. The real Annabelle Higgins had been found in the field where the apartment now stood at the age of seven, dead. So apparently Raggedy Ann was not bought with the spirit already in her. It seems to have become indwelled with the spirit once she got to the apartment. The doll began to give off some really unsettling feelings and the Warrens were called in and they took the doll. They always claimed that the doll was possessed by a demon. So they obviously didn't believe this little girl's spirit was in there. They thought it was something far sinister. Most of this stuff is not what I would call like demonic type behavior or real sinister. But Donna's roommate's boyfriend once claimed... And he couldn't remember if it was a dream or if it actually happened, but he was spending the night and he woke up in the middle of the night and he had one of these sleep paralysis moments and the doll was at his feet and he watched it crawl up his legs and then it tried to strangle him. So whether he dreamed it or it really happened, nobody's for sure, but what a bad dream anyway. 
I know, and it's so funny to think that that kind of a haunting would be in a Raggedy Ann doll. You know, at least it could be a creepier-looking doll than Raggedy Ann. I know, and I bet a lot of people, when they went to go see this movie, probably wanted to look it up and find out more. Mm-hmm. And they probably looked and went, this has got to be wrong. Because <laughs> you wouldn't think of a Raggedy Ann doll as being this creepy doll that would do stuff like that. But, you know, given if something, if an entity did take over it, Raggedy Ann would make more sense than like a porcelain doll because, as you said, the limbs are going to move much easier. So it'd be easier to have that as like your your outlet or your mobility to get around if it was something that was moving, that could easily move instead of something that had like stiff joints and stuff. And I want to thank Sparkle City Phil over at, uh, he's the co-host at Cinema and Furio for pointing me in the direction on Twitter of an article that compared the real Annabelle to the movie Annabelle. And, of course, they took a lot of liberties <laughs> with that movie. Hollywood took liberties <laughs> on something that might be factual? No. Yeah, and, of course, they had to make it a little bit scarier, too. I mean, for, for most people, it would be scary enough if you thought your doll was moving on its own. That's enough for me. Well, but, finding blood on it, that would yeah, be Yeah, a quite horror a movie, you got to really jazz it up nowadays, so... This is true. People laugh at The Exorcist, and it was not a laughable movie when I was growing up. No, my mom read the book, and she said it gave her nightmares. And, I mean, I I think everybody remembers or has heard the stories that they had sick bags in the theaters because people were actually getting sick watching the movie. Because it was so disturbing. And now, Mm -hmm. people, you know, we heard those teenagers just kind of laughing about it, like, oh, that was dumb. And we're like... Huh, are you it kidding It still me? disturbs me to this day. Yeah. And I remember when I saw it when I was probably a teenager and I had nightmares. Well, anything that can really happen are the the scariest movies for me ever. Like The Exorcist, anything about serial killers like Silence of mm-hmm. the Lambs, anything like that terrifies me. When you have Freddy Krueger, like I don't like so people much. I'm not the horror back. genre in case people haven't figured that out. But um, like Freddy Krueger and that stuff. Pretty soon it gets to be like, okay, this is just disgusting. It's just another gross way to kill a bunch of kids because here comes Freddy back or here comes whoever back. Well, it doesn't take a lot of creativity to have somebody come and slaughter a bunch of kids. Right. but In w- different ways. But when it's when it's something that can be really out there, our, our real horror of, of life, that gets really creepy to me. Dolls are wonderful parts of many people's childhoods, but they can also be pretty creepy. Do dolls take on the life of their own because we will them to have that life? Are haunted dolls just part of overactive imaginations? Can spirits reside in dolls? Can dolls be haunted? That is for you to decide. And of course, we only covered a handful of dolls on here. A lot of our listeners may have heard of other haunted dolls, or maybe you have some personal experiences too. Be a great thing to email to us at historyghostbump at gmail.com, and we'll share those stories with the listeners on a future podcast. Or, or you can go ahead and post some of your stories if you have them on our, um, spooktacular, uh, our crew. spooktacular Crew page on or Facebook Or even in the well. comments under the, um, in the archives on the regular website or on the show notes. You can make comments there too. We always uh, share everything that we get coming to us. We want to thank you for joining us for this one. Our next one, before we launch off into our road trip, is going to be on the Norwich State Hospital. Yes, looking forward to doing that one. And then definitely looking forward to taking you all on the road with us. Exactly. We're going to be making stops in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Louisville, Kentucky, Chicago, Illinois, Westside, Iowa. Now, that's the most exciting place of all. But it has a haunted barn, I hear. It does. And we're going to be right outside of it. And And I'll be walking around inside of it with a recorder and see if we pick up anything. Then St. Charles, Missouri, Missouri, Nashville, Tennessee. 
And then back on and home. And then back home. We want to thank you guys for joining us. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape shifting. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page and follow us. <laughs>